0: Thanks, Chris. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Am I on? Yes. I'm on. I'm on. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, it's really good to, to be with you all this morning. Um, Rob, team, thank you so much for uh, leading us this morning in worship. It really was uh, it was a it was a powerful morning. And um, when, uh, when I got here this morning, Rob and I were, were chatting briefly uh, in the kitchen, and we hadn't talked this week. Um, we were intending to, but all you know, plans and things uh, never quite work out. And um, as Rob was sharing with me what he had planned uh, this morning in terms of uh, the music that was going to be... Um, brought to to us as part of our worship, things just started to to mesh because what Rob had planned, what the Holy Spirit had put on his heart, very much aligned with what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart to share with you this morning and uh, you know we, we just love it when that, when that kind of thing happens when there 's a connection in the spirit when you when you know that uh, what what you 're doing is in line with his heart. And that's what we live for. We live to bring his glory. We live to, to bring his purpose. We live to bring his presence. And when we're in, in beats with him, when our, when our hearts beat with his heart, then that make, it's just so much easier. You know, life just, life works. When we're out of step, of course, it's much more difficult. So this morning, um, I'm going to speak on, on repentance, and again, you know, what Rob uh, was, was sharing with us this morning through, throughout the, the morning worship, um, it's just about a heart of coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, everything I am is yours, everything I've got came from you, and I'm giving it back to you. So I want to read to you um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, I haven't given the uh, media desk any of this, so um, we won't have it up on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, it's, It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to select verses from verse 35 to 58, But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting Then down to verse 40. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Down in verse 45, the scripture tells us, The first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Verse 50. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. Verse 54. When our dying bodies have been transferred into bodies that will never die... The scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death where is your victory? Death where is your sting? For sin is sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be firm, uh, be strong and firm. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do in the Lord is ever useless. And I want to start with that scripture because it reminds us that we are spirit. Amen? Amen. We are spirit. Yes, I am a physical body, but I am a spirit man. I have a spirit in me. That the Lord has put in me to commune with Him. I am a spirit. But sin, as we read there, has corrupted my spirit. It corrupted my spirit and disconnected me from the Father. Until I was born again, until I said, I am dead But in him, I am alive. Until I said, Jesus, have your way in me. Until he breathed his life into my spirit, I was dead. But now I am alive. My spirit was reconnected with the the Father. And it's really important to understand that without that connection with the Father... Without my spirit being alive, my view of God is going to be distorted. Until my spirit has, has been breathed into by his spirit, then I'm going to have a view of God that is not true. And we, all we have to do is look around the world. All we have to do is listen to the and understand that the world sees the Father, they see Jesus, they see the Holy Spirit as something odd, something not quite real. They don't, they don't understand that it's not intelligible. I can't comprehend this mighty God that would have sent his son to die. What, why? What, what, that doesn't make sense. But when we have the Holy Spirit breathed into us, it does make sense. Because we read in James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. I love that. I love that. There is no shifting shadow in the Father of lights. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits amongst his creatures. So God has chosen us to be a first fruit. He has chosen us to to be a people Called by his name. We're reading about Moses and uh, the Israelites in, in E100, and I'm afraid I'm a little bit ahead. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to try not to speak too much into what is coming, spoilers. But we're getting to the point sometime in the next few weeks in Deuteronomy, and we see a promise that the Father speaks to the Israelites and he speaks to us. And the promise is then iterated throughout Scripture. And that is, he calls us special treasure. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good. To be called a special treasure. To be called a special treasure by a friend Is pretty amazing. But to be called a special treasure by the King of Kings, by the God of all creation, that's amazing. Special treasure. Our role on earth is to be a special treasure to the earth, our role is to proclaim God's goodness. Our role is to declare God lives. He is mighty to save. Jesus is real and he wants you. That's our role. Our role is to proclaim his goodness. Paul put it this way. He said in Romans chapter 11, Who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. For from him and through him and to him are all things. That paints a picture of a cycle. From him, through him, to him. From him, through him, to him. If I'm filled with him, I'm through him, to him. From him, through him, to him. That's a picture. And if you look at the natural world, you will see the natural world is full of cycles. The rain falls. It feeds the earth. The sun evaporates the water from the earth. It becomes a cloud. When the cloud is full, I'm not doing a very good scientific job here, but the cloud then rains, and it feeds the ground, and it evaporates, and it fills the cloud, it's a cycle. The sun rises, moves over, and sets. The moon rises, moves over, and sets. And the sun rises, and moves over, and sets. Cycle. Everything in God is cyclic. Everything in God is cyclic. What this tells me is that when the Holy Spirit convicts me, He convicts me of something, but He relays the Father's willingness to supply what I lack. From him, through him, to him. When the Holy Spirit convicts me, it's not just a, you've done something wrong. It's a, you've done something wrong and here's my spirit to help you fix it. It's a cycle. God convicts so that he can also give you a promise to get out of it to get out of that situation. So conviction regarding our inability to pray releases the promise that he will help us pray. Struggling with unclean thoughts, conviction brings the promise of purity. Problems with doubt or unbelief, conviction is the Lord seeking to initiate faith. When the Lord convicts us, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, He brings a strength to overcome. We are overcomers. The promise releases the gift. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of being an overcomer, releases the gift that allows us to be that overcomer. So conviction is simply reestablishing divine order. So when you are convicted and you feel shame, that's the enemy. Because the Father doesn't bring shame because shame doesn't reestablish divine order. Shame doesn't lift you up. Shame pushes you down. True conviction brings with it the ability to overcome. The power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. Again, in E100, we're looking at the life of Moses at the moment. And we see that Moses was a man who felt he couldn't do what God was calling him to do. But... God said, I will be with you. So God called him, gave him a prophecy, and said, I will be with you. So from the prophecy, through the process, to the prize. Does that remind you of anything like maybe Chris's message last week? Dream. Difficulty, destiny. When the Lord gives you a prophecy, a prophetic word, there is going to be challenge in that prophetic word, but the prize is when it comes to fulfillment, when it comes to fruition, because he will be with you in the process. God is so interested in your process He's more interested in your process than he is in the prize. He's more interested in your challenge and helping you and walking with you than he is in the destiny. Yes, he wants you to fulfill that destiny because that destiny is from him. And it's from him, through him, to him. He wants you in that destiny, but he wants you strong enough in that destiny to be able to hold it, to be able to fulfill it, to be walking strong in it, to be standing in it. So, destiny is about the process of transformation. Ephesians 4, verse 23 and 24 says, instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, let Him renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Um, You can be truly righteous and holy. Please don't stone me. me. It says it in the Bible. If you put on the Holy Spirit, if you put on the new nature, you can be like God, truly righteous and holy. doesn't mean you will be God. You will reflect His nature. You will reflect His nature to a world that desperately needs righteousness and holiness. There's a lot that's going wrong out there in the world, and what it needs is the solution. Who's the solution? Believe it or not, you're the solution. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is the solution, yes. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. But he chooses to operate through you. He chooses to operate through me. We need to have a voice in this world. The church needs to have a voice in this world. Romans 8 verse 5 to 8 says, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that one out. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Our world needs life and peace. There's too much conflict the mindset on the spirit is life and peace because the mindset on flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The mindset on the flesh can't know God's ways, can't please God. But the mindset on the spirit can please God, and can change the environment. If we have a mindset on the flesh, then we create an environment that is hostile to God. And again, all you need to do is look at the media. Look at the world. And there is a world that is setting its eyes, living in the flesh, hostile towards God. But we, the people of God, the special treasure, are called to set our minds on the things of the Spirit and bring life and peace. So, how do we do that? Rob mentioned repentance. The Greek word for repentance that was used in Scripture is metanoeho. Two, two, Two bits of Greek word, meta, change, and neho, your mind. Repentance is to change your mind, to change your thinking. To change your mindset. To change from the flesh to the spirit. To change from thinking according to the flesh and start thinking according to the spirit. Meta aneho. Repentance. Growing up, repentance to me was begging for forgiveness. Repentance was, oh, I'm so bad. I've done bad things. I'm a bad person, and I need to beg for forgiveness. To me, that was repentance. Until I met Jesus, actually met him actually encountered him and then i understood that repentance is not about me feeling small and insignificant it's not about me being this wicked m- miscreant repentance is about accepting the power of the holy spirit to turn And be a different person. How many of us want to be different people? How many of us are in a situation today that we don't want to be in? Repent. Repent. It's it's as straightforward as that. Think differently. Change your mindset. How do you do this? Acts two, uh, two verse thirty-eight. Peter says, "Each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God. Repent of your sin. Turn away from your sin. Think differently about your sin. Turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of the sin uh, of your sin. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." See, it's all in one package. It's all in one package. Repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Turn away, think differently, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Because by turning away... I need the power of the Holy Spirit not to turn back to the sin. Okay? I need the power of the Holy Spirit not to fall back into the old ways, not to turn back to the flesh. Because on my own, I can try and turn away from a, a particular path, but I'm simply going to fall back into the same old pattern, into the same old habits, into the same old sins, into the same old place of darkness. Because it is only by Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit that I can turn away completely and never go back. That is good news. That is very good news. And that is the gospel. I can sit down now because I've just preached the gospel. I'm done. I'm finished. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. He has come to seek and save the lost. It's straightforward, guys. It's not heady stuff. If you want to change, Jesus is the way and he will make you a new creation so <sighs> proclamation okay so we're talking about we're talking about repentance and i've i've put three things together that that i think play a role in repentance and i've put the first thing as proclamation and I'm going to read you a bunch of scriptures, and you're going to see that there is something common through these, uh, through these scriptures that I believe is part of repentance. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. That's Numbers 23, 21. The shout of the king is... Is among them. Judges seven twenty, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, "A sword for the Lord, and for Gideon." Okay. One Samuel four five. When the ark of the Lord's covenant came into the camp, all of Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Man, they must have been excited. First Chronicles 1528. So all Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouts. Second Chronicles 1514: They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets. And horns. Psalm 33:3. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. Psalm 47:1. Clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 47:5. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Isaiah 12.6, shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Matthew 21.9, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. there's something about proclamation there is something about letting the inner voice of your spirit out we did it this morning and it was powerful proclamation breaks things in the spirit it breaks chains it breaks shackles yeah it it helps you turn It helps you. It fills you. It gives you encouragement. It gives you energy. It energizes your very body. Shouting out changes the atmosphere. Lenore's my neighbor. I'm so glad that our walls are a little bit thicker because she would think I'm loony. (laughs) She she does anyway. (laughs) Thanks, Lenore. I love you too. I I don't know if it's maybe because I'm African, but there is something about being loud. I can't hold it in. There is a shout of joy in me that just wants to let it out. It wants to come out of me. It wants to change the atmosphere. It wants to charge the atmosphere with positive words, with words of life with words of joy, with words of peace. I don't want to mumble. I don't want to cower. I don't want to be quiet. I don't like quiet. (laughs) Thank you, Lenore. It's got to come out. There is a proclamation. Hosanna, Hosanna. In the highest. That will change the atmosphere. Part of repentance is I am not ashamed of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. Hosanna in the highest. For too long, we as a church have been quiet. We have given our voice away. We need to reclaim that voice. We need to be like the Israelites who shouted and the ground shook. That is where we are going. We are becoming a people. Daniel 11.32, the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. We are going to be a people who change the earth. This is the generation. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. For you, for me, for our families, for our friends, for our work colleagues, today is the day. How will they know if I do not speak? How will they know if I do not say, God is good declare and proclaim his goodness. So I want to encourage you be verbal to connect to your destiny. If you're not verbal, you won't connect to your destiny. I'm sorry if you think you can do it quietly, you can't. Okay? That's conviction. You cannot do destiny quietly. But remember what I said about conviction, it brings promise. If you open your mouth, God will fill it with words. If you open your heart, God will put prophecy in your heart. He will put strength in your spirit and you will roar like a lion. I'm not sure we saw it this morning. There was a flag with a lion this morning. God is the lion of Judah. A lion, trust me, I'm African. If you go camping and you hear a lion, it may be 15 kilometers off, but my goodness, it will make you shiver and shake. The lion of Judah roars, and we are his people. Okay, I'm getting carried away. Let's, let's move on, move on. Jesus told them in, in, in Matthew 17:20, he said, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you would will the mountain. He didn't say that. He didn't say you will will the mountain to move. He didn't say you would whisper to the mountain. He said you will say to the mountain, You will speak it out. Mountain, be moved. If you've got a mountain, tell it to move. Tell it to move. Release faith. Stir up faith. Nothing is impossible with God. If you don't open your mouth, the Father cannot put Rhema Okay, rhema is a Greek word for the word. But there's two Greek words for the word. Logos and rhema. Logos, I don't have my Bible with me, and I'm preaching. Logos is the word. Logos is the the written word. Thank you, Lyra. Logos is the word. Thank you. Bless you. Logos is the word. It is important because you have to get this word into you. Because when you get this word into you, what comes out of you is the rhema. You get the logos into you. Logos. Logos. That's the Greek word for the written word, the word. When you get the written word into you, you can release the rhema word, the spirit word, the word that changes. This word will not change you. I'm sorry. This word will not change you. It is only when you get this word into your spirit and the Holy Spirit makes it alive, and it becomes rhema. This is just a book. Chris, I'm not preaching heresy, am I? This is just a book, but it's a valuable book because it has the truth of God in it that we need to devour. We need to consume what is in here so that it can come alive when we speak. If you don't open your mouth, the rhema can't come out. If you don't open your mouth, God's spirit, his, his pneuma, another Greek word, you notice I like the Greek, his pneuma, that's where we get the word pneumatic, or pneumonia, it's it's the breath. When we open our mouth, God will let the rhema word out, and he will fill our lungs and our body and our spirit with his spirit, with his Numa, his Holy Spirit. And with the rhema and the Numa, we can be strong and do great exploits. We can declare with boldness the truth. We have to... I can't think of another word. We have to manifest the Holy Spirit, the spirit man in us. We have to, we have to let it out. So proclamation. The second thing in repentance is agreement. Agreement is necessary in order to agree with what the Father is saying. To repent, you need to agree with what the Father is saying. There's a well-known scripture in Isaiah chapter 55. I, I really would love to read the whole chapter. Isaiah 55 is... It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Do yourselves a favor. When you go home, read Isaiah 55. It is life changing, beautiful. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, it says this, and, and I'm sure you've heard this quoted many times, but often with a wrong understanding. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That scripture says that God does not think like you do. Big surprise. God does not think like you do. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. There is something that is greater about the way that God thinks. So when we see our situations and we're challenged in our situations, God looks at it differently. That's what that scripture says. And it's our job not to agree with the natural, but to agree with the spirit. Our job is to choose not to agree with the things that are going wrong, but to agree with the spirit who says, I have made a way where there seems to be no way. Our job is to agree with him. The father lives in the realm where all things are possible. I like that. He lives in the realm where all things are possible. We live in a place where things seem quite limited. I can only go so far. I can only do so much. I can only find so many hours in the day. But God lives in the realm of the impossible where all things are possible. And he lives in a place where sickness cannot abide. Sickness becomes health. Blindness becomes sight. Deafness becomes hearing. Lameness becomes mobility. That's the realm that our God lives in. And when we agree with his thoughts, when we agree with his ways, we begin to live in that realm. We begin to release the truth of that realm That there is a way. That nothing is impossible for God. We begin to release sight. We begin to release sounds. We begin to release healing, prosperity, peace, life. These are the things that we are called to agree with in the Father. I wrote down here, impossible odds are God's currency. He doesn't work in the currency of doubt. He works in the currency of the impossible. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God Because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Repenting then you will learn to know God's will for you, his good and pleasing will. Okay, so proclamation, agreement, and the third thing I wrote down here is that we need to have a royal perspective. Having a royal perspective... Comes from living in the throne room. You can only have a royal perspective if you live in the throne room. If you live in God's throne room. That is the place that we are called to live. We are called to live out of a confidence of royalty. Time spent with God changes you. It changes your perspective. We heard Rob was sharing about uh, Prince William coming to, um, I'm not sure where, Landfoist. And you'll see how people change when they're around royalty. They become excited. They may be completely uninterested in royalty until they actually come into the presence of royalty. And you can't help but be excited. It amazes. It it changes the way you see things. You can't see yourself the same. You become quite whoa, that's amazing. I'm, I'm in the presence of royalty. I'm in the presence of, of something that is different to, to me. Coming into the presence and living in the presence changes you. It, it changes your perspective. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. There's four things there. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. When you live in a place where your inner man, your spirit man, is central, so you don't, put, you don't put your your mind, you don't put your thoughts, you don't put your physical body at the center, you put your spirit at the center. When you live from a place of your spirit, where your spirit is in the presence of God, it's li- your, your spirit is living from the throne room, then everything from your spirit will flow out through your mind, your heart, your strength. And those things become changed. When you live from the centrality of your spirit, then your thinking and your approach to life changes. Your will aligns with God. The things that you choose to do aligns with God, when you're living in that central place from your spirit that is connected with the royalty of God, you see yourself differently. And that floods out (laughs) through your mind, through your will, through your strength. We have to choose to put our spirit in the central part of our lives. That, that's a choice. We have to choose that. That's why your will is important. You choose to put your spirit in that place of royalty, in the, in the throne room. You, you choose to connect with the Father. Having that connection then empowers the rest of your life. It's, it's kind of those like um, concentric circles. So you've got a small circle in the middle and a circle around that and a circle around that and a circle around that. And it's, it's the moving out that become almost like a pebble in a, in a pond. When you throw a pebble in a pond and there's those waves that come out from, from that central point... That's that's what happens when we live our lives in royalty. Then the patterns that come out from that will touch people and change their lives, change the world. Most importantly, a royal mindset doesn't just look at the challenges, it sees opportunity When, when we have a mindset that is set on Christ, when we have a mindset that says we live in the impossible with Christ, with the Father, living in that realm of the impossible, it changes how we see our situations. It shows us that when we are in challenging situations, there may be something greater in that situation that God is wanting to release, to bring out, to help somebody else. He's giving you a testimony of something to set somebody else free. So when you're going through a challenge, ask the Lord to give you His mindset Ask the Lord to show you what is it that you're going to achieve through this situation. Show me the key that you're giving me to unlock somebody else's difficulty. Yes, it may be your challenge, but he is empowering you and equipping you by the Holy Spirit by changing the way you see yourself, by showing you He is sovereign and He can unlock through your testimony somebody else's challenge. I'm gonna end on, on the scripture that in, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, well known scripture. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. Whatever you're in at the moment, whatever you're facing at the moment, God's word to you, his promise to you, is, I know the plans that I have for you. They're not plans to harm you. They're plans to give you a hope and a future. In other words, I've given you a key to get out of the situation. I've given you tools to step out of your challenge. I've given you the way to a good future. And that way is repent. Turn away from the situation that has held you back. Turn away from the, the things that have caused you pain. Turn away from them. Agree with God. Proclaim. Speak it out. Speak out that scripture. If you've got nothing else, speak out that scripture. If you've got no other promises, if nothing else will come to your mind, there's a promise for you plans to give you hope and a future. If you're feeling hopeless, proclaim that scripture. God has said, he has given me a hope and a future. Proclaim it. Agree with his mindsets. Agree with his ways. See yourself in him as royalty. Allow his royal mindset to change your mindset, to see that nothing is impossible. There is a way, and his name is Jesus. So, I want to encourage you today there is hope, there is hope, there is a future. There's the strength of the Holy Spirit to, to come in and help you change your thinking. Okay, Repentance, that turning away, the changing from the old and focusing on the new. Changing the old mindset and accepting the promise. So I'm going to finish there. Guys, if you would come up. I want to offer you an opportunity. If you, if you feel that you're trapped in, a, in an old way of thinking, and you want to change, you want to make that, that change, you want to repent, because that's what repentance is. It's, it's the changing your mind changing the way you think, changing that mindset. Today is as good a day, if not better, than any other. The the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Today, choose to have that mindset changed. Choose a new way to think. Set your eyes on him, let him fill you with his spirit. Let him make that change in you. Chris. Amen, Hallelujah.